Uh, today we're going we're gonna to continue on our theme of, of course, the resurrection. But what happens after? Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the difference his resurrection makes to us in our everyday lives and in the lives of the believers. Um, whereas Easter celebrates that Jesus died and was resurrected, we are going to now examine and see how that changes our lives and how now and forever and knowing that something happened is all well and good. Historically, that's not the thing. But the impact of that act comes from knowing why that something matters to us. It's important that we understand. How does Jesus' sacrifice really change believers? We struggle with that. And what do we do about it? Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 50 to 51 says this, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks split. That's a powerful statement. It's kind of thrown in there. And uh, we look at it and we go, oh yeah, that was it. But, it. but there's a huge statement there. That no longer was there a need for that temple no longer was there a need for that separation. And we talk about, Christians talk about, and in churches you'll hear about salvation. And in the secular world it can be kind of a dirty word because people don't like to be saved um, if they feel like there's nothing wrong, which is the problem. They don't understand there is something wrong. But many don't understand what salvation actually means. Salvation is the first most greatly promised consequence of Christ's resurrection. If we do not accept salvation, the work of Christ is stunted in our lives. And so salvation begins, uh, when, when we begin to interact with it, it, the results of Christ's work, it's most significant in many different ways. And, and it starts right here at salvation. It was foretold for generations, most prominently in the book of Isaiah and offered all throughout God's chosen people, to, uh, to all of God's chosen people, and even to the point of Jesus' time on the cross. You can cross-reference that with Luke 23, verse 42. However, our general understanding of salvation is, uh, well, and what we might think of it, is, is quite limited. And so I want to give you a different perspective a different change on what salvation actually means. I want to challenge your thinking today about salvation. The first aspect of salvation is that salvation is freedom to, not freedom from. And what do, what do I mean by that? Well, many people associate salvation with the concept of being saved from eternal damnation, and, and, but they, it has an actual deeper meaning than that. That may be part of it. But by understanding the power of salvation, we can unlock a sense of freedom and a purpose and be transformed in our lives in ways we never thought imagined. And we can transform other people's lives because of that message. Many people are looking for purpose. Many people are looking to be transformed. They want freedom. But they don't really know what it means. And we have a message that gives that. But when we always throw out that you're say, being saved from, 
instead of being saved, uh, free, free to do. It's about having a freedom of life that's free of limitations. And that curtain being torn is an illustration of that freedom. It's about gaining access to a new place where we were previously not permitted. Now, realize that the temple was only for the priests. They're the only ones that could go in and come out. And even then, they had to tie a rope around the foot of the priest because if he got struck down dead, how else are you going to get him out? He had a little bell on his foot where he would jingle and walk around so that they knew he wasn't smoten dead. So there were reasons that there was separation because God was so holy. And when that temple was torn in two, when that curtain, that th- it wasn't just a curtain like that. It was thick. When that was torn in two, it gained access for everyone. That's just a little Old Testament to New Testament history for you, which I love. But the idea is illustrated in the Gospel of Matthew, this freedom too, where at the moment of Jesus' death, that curtain was torn. It's a symbol of a removal of that separation and a new way of life. For example, imagine somebody who struggles with addiction for years. As complicated as that is. Um, they're not just saved from the negative aspects of their you know, addiction, but they're given freedom to live a new life, to live free from the limitations of that addiction that's been placed on them. Now, I'm going to expand on that a little bit more. It's not just that simple. We're going to move a little bit forward in a little bit. But this text tells of the immediate happenings after Christ's death. In that verse, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yield up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth and the rocks were split. Matthew's account of this gospel tells us that the very first thing that happened in Jesus' final breath was the removal of separation. The removal of separation. You might not have known that there was one, but there was. And it was removed. Of course, we need to consider the, the conquering of death, and that's very important in all of this. Uh, but to understand that salvation is freedom too, we need to understand that it's that removal. Now we have access. Conquering death is essential, no doubt. It's an essential element of salvation, but it's not the primary element The most important aspect of salvation is not deliverance, but it's reunion. It's reunion with God. Many believers understand that salvation um, involves being saved from death, but they may not realize that it also involves the reunion with God. By embracing that aspect of salvation, we, we cultivate a deeper understanding of our spiritual journey, and we tap into a sense of divine guidance that helps us navigate life's challenges. 
Sure, we're, we are free from death, but more importantly, we are free to walk with God once more. We are free to walk with him. Um, in the second century, an early church leader, Clement of Alexandria, wrote, and I'm going to paraphrase this because his wording is goofy, but the most, he says, the most important thing we should learn in this life is to know how to understand God. God is the one who gives us eternal life, and by getting to know him and becoming more like him, we experience true life. On the other hand, if we don't know God, it's like being dead. So it's important to learn about God and develop a relationship with him. Salvation represents for us the final undoing of humanity's misdeeds. And Jesus, who is called the second Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 49, you can look that up, he was, he was all that the first Adam was meant to be during his life. Where Adam was given a chance to have a close relationship with God, he squandered it. And Jesus passed the chance down to us to accept him. So this inheritance means that um, this this inheritance was meant to be ours uh, through Adam, uh, but it became ours because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we celebrate this every year. That's why we walk through this every year. And we remember, because human beings love to forget. We forget so easily as we go through life. Things get complicated, we forget. History proves we forget. History proves it. Read the history books. We keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and we don't learn from the past because we want to erase it. Learn from it. Don't forget about it. The curtain of the temple was torn, and God's presence was no longer found in a limited space that was only accessible to a few once a year, but it was now available in all places for those who worship him. So because of his work on the cross, we can also experience the freedom that he gives. And what does it really mean to be free through salvation? We talk a lot about this. You can go take courses and people say freedom, fire, all this kind of stuff, but do they really understand it? Many people think that freedom is the escape of punishment or avoiding sin. There's, it's actually much deeper to this concept. By exploring the true nature of freedom and salvation, we can discover the sense of liberation that extends far beyond our physical bodies and deep into our soul. Imagine someone who has struggled with um, a deep sense of loneliness and isolation for much of their life. And, and, and there are people going through that now. And I believe that our previous few years is a product, this has become a product of that. People are feeling lonely. I mean, there's always been loneliness out there, but this just kind of picked it up and moved it faster, fast-forwarded it. But others have tried to fill that void. They've tried to fill it with hobbies. They've tried to fill it with relationships, other distractions, and nothing seems to bring fulfillment. If you read any any story of any rock musician, or there's always this emptiness. They get to a certain point, and there's just this emptiness. They tried everything. They've done everything. They had the money to do everything. Or movie stars. They've done everything. They've tried everything. But yet there was this emptiness. And no matter what they did and how much they did it, 
It never filled that void. But with the, through the process of accepting the salvation of Jesus Christ and being reunited with God, the person who is lonely or isolated will begin to experience a sense of belonging and connection. This is why, and we, we were online for quite a long time, but this is why we needed to have community, in-person community. Because even though people are online and that's a thing, I get it, um, it doesn't take away from this. It doesn't take away from learning together, living life together. And a cheap plug, you should join a life group. Continuing on. So you experience that belonging. You experience that connection. And what it does is it gives ultimately a purpose. It gives fulfillment from us being in a relationship with our creator. So when that loneliness, when that trying to fill that void, it fills that gap. And it gives us purpose. And everyone is looking for purpose, no matter what they say to you. Everyone is looking for purpose. People may have given up. People may have thought they don't want to do it anymore. But they want purpose. And the story of Jesus and everything that he's done can give that. But we have to recognize that there's something that has to be done. The concept of freedom to be applied in our personal lives today, practically, starts with this. Living without fear. You say, well, that's easy for you to say, but there's a lot of things to fear. Yes, there is, but when we have the assurance of the salvation and the knowledge that we are free from condemnation, that God is looking out for our best interest no matter what happens, no matter the worst or the best, we can live without fear. We can face challenges and, difficult, and difficulties with our confidence, knowing that we are secure in him because he gives us purpose and he gives us fulfillment. So we can live without that fear because of him. If I walk out today, if I drop dead here, I am not afraid because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And plus, Michelle will get some great life insurance. Thank you, Jerry Spielmacher, for signing me up years ago. And she always says, it's not funny. And I'm like, no, it's not, because you get lots of money, and I don't. <laughs> but it's true. There's nothing to fear. The second way we can practically apply freedom in our lives because of the salvation is overcoming sin. True freedom in Christ involves us not just avoiding sin, but being freed from its power over us. And so what do I mean by that? Okay, so let me explain this to you. Overcoming sin means recognizing areas in our lives that we struggle with, those problems, those temptations, those sins, and actively working to resist them and overcome those temptations. Actively. It involves relying on the power of the Holy Spirit because we have that relationship and to help us assist in that and to seek support and accountability from other trustworthy believers. It also means being intentional about avoiding situations that will cause us to stumble. We don't just go, okay, God, I suffer with this problem and I'm going to put myself right in the middle of it and just absorb it all and just see how strong I am. Avoid it. 
Scripture is very clear about certain temptations. And what, is, what does the Bible say? It says flee. It doesn't say hang out, see how long you can last, see if you can pull it off and be strong. It says get out. So practically, we need to work on it. We need to do something. Second, or thirdly, we need to serve others. In serving others, freedom in Christ means we don't live by ourselves. We don't do everything by ourselves. We're called to use our freedom to serve others just as Christ served us. It means putting aside our own desires. We talk about this all the time. Put aside your own selfish desires and your own interests in order to help those that are in need. So thirdly, serve others. And fourthly, pursue God's will. True freedom involves being able to pursue God's will for our lives without being held back by fear, guilt, or shame. We can trust that he has a plan for us and that he will guide us and provide that. So how, how, how? how does he do that? And how do we know what his will is? Right out of the gate, if you're not in the word and you're not spending time in prayer, you won't know. So time in the word, time in prayer, giving trust to him that he's going to provide for you. And I could give you multiple stories about how God has provided for my family throughout my whole entire life. But you have your own. You know. The reason why you're here, God has provided for you. God, We just saw this last Easter baptisms of how God has poured into people's lives and changed them. We saw the previous Easter baptism. We saw that as well. We see it. But what happens? We forget. We forget. When I first got saved and I said the sinner's prayer, I was running down the street from the bus that, that picked me up and I was a little boy in Aldergrove, and I was running down the street yelling at my mom saying, I've been crucified. Technically, I was right. Theologically, I was bang on, but I didn't quite understand the other part. God did something in my life, and ever since then, I saw him do things in my life. You have those same stories, and you say, well, I don't really, might not have it. You do. You need to look for them because you've forgotten. Don't forget. I want to encourage you today. Don't forget. Trust him by not forgetting. That's why we celebrate Lent. That's why we celebrate Advent, so we don't forget. It's not that we need to do it. We, we do it so we don't forget about what Christ has done for us, and we walk through the whole thing again. Why? Because we're human, and we need these things in place to remind us of what he's done for us. Thirdly, uh, surrender your own desires and plans to his will. That could mean all sorts of things. But when you're in tune with him, he will show you. Fourthly, overcome fear, guilt, and shame. Stop living in the past. He's forgiven you. Move forward. If we keep beating ourselves up about the past, we will never get to a place where we feel free in Christ because we're stuck in the past. 
We don't forget it, as in we don't make the mistake again. We try not to anyways. But we move forward. And the fourth point of applying freedom in Christ is take action. Take action. Do it. Make it happen. We don't take action enough because we like to wait for things to happen to us instead of us going out there and making it happen. We need to take an action. There's a part. Christ has already done it. Now it's your turn. Do something. Take action. It may involve you changing your career or changes within that career. It may involve relationships, lifestyles, whatever that is, but be willing to step out of your comfort zone and take the risk as you trust God's guidance and provision. Have you taken any steps lately to trust God? Now, don't walk out here and say, well, church said I need to quit my job tomorrow because it's not God's will. No. What I'm saying is, if you do these things, he will show you. You can be anything in the world. We used, it used to frustrate me when I was in Bible college. I was called to be a pastor. I knew that in my own heart. But I used to, um, I used to hear other youth pastors preach and say, if you want to make a difference, you need to go to Bible college, which, by the way, is not a bad thing, and you need to become a pastor. No, you don't. Well, then you need to become a missionary. No, you don't. You can be a missionary in whatever field you choose or have chosen or at any stage of life, whether you're just graduating high school and going into university, whether you're in elementary school, you can make a difference, whether you're a senior, everything in between, wherever you are, wherever you are placed, you can make a difference, but we forget. But we forget because we think, oh, well, maybe... I don't know enough, maybe I'm too old, maybe I'm too young. We're never satisfied. Where, what's the right space? Do I have to be 50 and then I can start doing something? Do I have to be 40? Of course, nowadays everyone thinks you've got to be 30 because everyone else is, you know, doesn't know what's going on in the world. But that's just a little side note from a 50-year-old who's irritated. But point is this. Wherever you are, you have purpose, and I don't care what you do. Lawyer, doctor, janitor, it doesn't matter. Teacher, working at the store, working in a restaurant, it does not matter. If you want to go to Bible college to get some more education, do it. But you better be called if you're going to go into the ministry because they will kick you when you're down. It happens. So I'm telling you today, you need to be called. And you are called to whatever that is. Whatever it is you do, make it count. Take action. Be the example. Pour into people's lives. But you can't do it if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not spending time in the Word, and if you're not spending time with each other, building each other up. Scripture says, edify one another. I'm not just pulling these words and these scriptures out of nowhere. They're there. Build each other up. Change some lives because of Jesus, not because of you but because of Jesus and what he's done through you. Don't allow things to happen. Make things happen. Get in there. Dive in. 
I don't want to be the type of person that is freed from. I want to be freed to, to do it. It's a perspective change. And if you can get that perspective change that now you've been given access. You got the VIP all-access ticket. You get to go backstage and wander around with all the hoopla and the cool people. You have access. But the only thing is, it's open to everyone. Nobody's denied access. You have it. So you're freed to. Not freed from. And when you change those words, there's a difference between a negative connotation and a positive one. You're free too. So let's take action. Let's go do it. Everywhere we are, in whatever stage of our life, no matter what's going on. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have freed us too. You have given us access. Help us to show others they have access too. There's a new way of life. There's a removal of separation because of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, speak to those in the room this morning. I pray that from this day forward, we will recognize that we are free to, free to do your will. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week. I want to remind you that as of uh, every Sunday morning, we are doing prayer, pre-service prayer from 9.40 to to 10 o'clock. So please come on in and pray. Uh, We would love to have you there so that you can do that. Um, God bless you. I hope you have a great week. Go out there and make a difference. God bless.